I'm Carrie Gard and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to the show. We are live and have been now, I think, for the last few months. So hopefully I can stop saying this. That would be fantastic. But if you are here with us, the beauty of being live is that we get to have a dialogue with our listeners. So if you are here, comment away. I am paying attention. I think Elizabeth is as well. And we are looking forward to your questions. But it'd be great to know if you're already with us. So say hello. Let us know where you're joining from. And maybe throw out a tidbit. I don't know. Say hi. I am so excited for this show. Today I have Elizabeth um, Haig. I'm not going to say that right. Haig. Oh, spot on. Look at me go. I'm impressed. (laughs) Uh, Doesn't seem to be stopped moving. A woman after my own heart. (laughs) She is a tireless underdog champion, board advisor, book published, invited collegiate speaker, community voted one of the most remarkable women in Georgia by Ellis, thanks to a tireless pro bono mentorship of female business entrepreneurs and artists. Elizabeth specializes in protecting and growing revenue for pre-IPO 10 million to 100 million ARR companies through customer obsession, a 15-year brand and content marketing expert with a high growth mindset, Full funnel marketing leader and cross-functional partner. Many of my and many of her clients and companies have been acquired or partnered with big names such as Four Seasons, Whole Foods, Target, Mayer, Walmart.com, and more. Just some name dropping there, because you know why not. She is a <laughs> leader of leaders, and she says her achievements are all thanks to her incredible brand and marketing teams. Though I would argue she's responsible for putting those teams together. So credit where credit is due, Elizabeth. <laughs> and and what Thank a great kickoff. Because this is where we're going to go with this conversation about building teams. And I can't wait to get there. Elizabeth, yes. thank you for joining me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for such a great intro. I appreciate you. <laughs> I stole that. I take zero credibility for taking that right off your LinkedIn. What a beautiful, thank you for doing my job for me. I appreciate you. No but what a resume. What an honor. Before we dig into the team building piece of that, because I agree, we are all here thanks to the amazing people who have joined in our journey. Um, and we're going to talk about how to unpack that. But one, I'd love to hear from you, like those are all wonderful aspects of your career, but the, but the beauty is the journey. So tell us your story. What do you do now and how did you get there in your own words? Although those were your words, but you know, new words. <laughs> yeah. So um, I specialize in pre-IPO 10 million to 100 million, and that is a huge range. And it's annual recurring revenue for anyone out there that's like, what is AAR? It's annual oh, yeah, recurring revenue. So yes, I try. So this one thing is I try not to, I'll use acronyms, but I try to spell them out too, because I never assume and it's not fair. Um, I was in a meeting with someone recently in retail e-commerce and they said something and I was like, hold on, what, what is it? And it was like BFD something, whatever. Um, and I was like, Black like, <laughs> Friday, Cyber Monday deals. It was like an acronym for that. Anyways, tangent. Um, so a story in my own words, um, that's a huge gap. Like 10 to 100 yeah. million is a massive gap. So um, I have basically been a chameleon in my career and focused predominantly on that customer obsession piece, looking at the business strategy of the businesses I do work with, um, how I came up through where I am now. Um, I used to run a micro agency working with um, that ten, close to that 10 million range. And some of the businesses I worked with were in that really delicate, really sensitive, just breaking into the first million mm-hmm. in revenue rate which is really, really scary. It's a really sensitive time. And I specialize in that customer obsession piece that through brand, through business structure and talking about the core aspects of the company. And there would be like a lot of different little threads we would pull on, right? So it's a huge range, but it's satisfying work. It's interesting work. And I've seen, I've seen a lot. (laughs) I've seen a lot. So there's a lot to to talk about today, I think, especially building teams. Yeah. And it sounds like you've also, I sort of, I, so Mike Cross is our connection. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you. 
Um, one of the things he said to me when I was walking into our prep call was don't talk about brand or rebranding. Like she has done enough of that. We don't need to rehash. Like we do not need to rehash that, but it goes to show, and I'm experiencing this right now too. Like that delicate balance is like where you need to put on sort of your big grown up pants and you need that rebrand. And I can see why you sort of become like the rebrand guru in having done this time and time and time again. I, yeah. I don't want to like unpack that because we have a different story to tell, but I do want to know like for anybody who's going through that right now, what's the one piece of advice you would give them in that like crest of like getting to that million and then like making that big leap to adulthood? Oh my God. So much advice. And my, Mike's so sweet. Thank you, Mike. Um, Cause I know when I talked to him, I was like, Oh, I'm the, re- I'm the change management person. I'm usually the person that like comes into these organizations, just like, just kidding guys, your baby is ugly. We're going to have to fix it. And that means it's going to mess up a lot of stuff. Are you ready? I hope we can make friends. I don't know. This is going to suck. And I'm here to help you, you know, um, advice in general, don't do anything by committee. Um, have strong balance and focus, know who you are and, and knowing who you are as a business and having business strategy requires so much. I mean, you have to have people who've done this before a million times. This rebranding is extremely risky. It's not as risky in the beginning when you have like, you know, zero funding and no audience, you could do whatever you want. But you know, the minute you start getting into like, oh, I have product market fit. And I'm, <laughs> I have something here that could potentially IPO and we need to fix this brand. That's when it starts getting really, really serious and you need to be very, very careful. So don't design by committee, <laughs> pick experts and just know that change management is a change management exercise. And you need someone who's excellent at change management and comms because that's the magic sauce of anybody that's doing a rebrand. Just reach out to me, DM me on LinkedIn and I will help you get the right resources in place because Lord... I have seen heads roll from making mistakes on these kinds of projects. I've seen things crumble. I do, oh, we could whole, do a whole other life. Real. No, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing this right now. And everything you said just made my heart pound. I've done three rebrands. I'm now. sorry. No, it, no it, sorry. it's validating of like the struggle is real and I've lived it and I'm not alone. And like amazing because I've done a rebrand by committee and I and the middle person wasn't the decision maker and the committee was on the other side. So that was super painful. And then I just, I'm, I'm doing a rebrand um, where I'm totally talking to the decision maker, but he has a team behind him and he wants to make sure that they feel like they have what they need from it too. Like it's a balancing act and it's really it from like the business side, it's like super hard. And so yes to everything you just said, Every experience is a new experience, keeping these things in mind, but like also enjoying the ride as you go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I hate to freak people out, but I do want them to take it seriously. You know, like I hate to be like, it's a big, scary thing. It is. Um, but it can also be joyous and exciting and, you know, open up a whole new revenue avenue possibilities, especially if you're tying specific like product launches to it. If you have a really great go-to-market strategy and like trust and autonomy, there's just so many benefits to it on a positive side. Um, if you're going through rebrand right now, Carrie, just a little sidebar, like uh, whatever you need, I will encourage the living crap out of you. Whatever you need, just let me know. I'm happy to be like, I'll be your cheerleader. <laughs> I'm happy to help that. you. Like there's bumps in the road yeah. and the struggle is real, but I, but it the, is. but it's so rewarding on the other side because, um, you know, you do it for all the right reasons. So anyway, yeah. Elizabeth is the rebrand guru. She's clearly been through the ups and downs. And most importantly through this is the team you build to join you on the adventure. So before we get there, um, hi, Trevor. So good to see you. Ah, speaking of cheerleaders, Trevor Van Warden, y'all, he is, uh-uh. he is always in my corner and I'm so grateful that he's here. Um, Trevor, looking forward to your questions. Um, Before we get to our core conversation, Elizabeth, around team building, depending on where you are in the adventure that is uh, being a company and the stages Mm -hmm. of which being a company, I do want to understand like what challenge you're currently facing. Like where are you right now? What's Mm -hmm. hard? 
just um, in general, as far as like team development or what I'm looking for in the next team I build. So life, just universe, so wherever you are right now, like what it, it could be about the topic or not, like just like what mm. is top of mind and what is hard for you right now? Interesting. Yeah. So I am actually going through a little bit of a career transition. The ultimate end game for me is eventually sunsetting myself onto boards. I'd love to be a board member. Um, that's like the, the ultimate 10, 15, 20 year, like sunset golden age kind of goal. So I just got my first um, advisory board role. So balancing that and learning all, the, yeah, all of that. And, you know, it's like it's a interesting and kind of I've always been on the other side of the fence of like convincing this mysterious board of all of these things, this revenue like things that I have to. So now it's interesting to be on the opposite side of it. And I'm going to be learning quite a bit. So that's, that's going to be fun and, and cool. And I feel like that's the next step for me of, of kind of learning more about this process. So I'm just bringing like a lot of curiosity to it. And it's not necessarily a problem. It's just like a new thing, a new problem to solve, you know, like, mm -hmm. what don't I know? You know, where, so the humility and lack of ego is super helpful at this point because I'm just like, I don't, this is my first advisory board role. Tell me I'm more. an expert in this. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more, you know? <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be great. I'm really, really excited. I, I love that transition you're making. I think it makes so much sense. And I think we're all sort of asking that question, especially as well seasoned marketers. <laughs> I guess that's the word. We've been around the yeah. block. We've seen a lot. Um, how can we... moisturizer. <laughs> <laughs> Our skin skin regimen is on point. Covering up those grays. Yes, all the things. <laughs> I I think the question becomes like now, especially as you know, as you go up the ladder within an organization, like those CMO roles get less and less. Right? There can only be really one right. CMO within any organization, and we're all fighting for it. So like, what's that next step? And I, mm -hmm. I think board advisory makes sense. I think fractional makes sense. I think, mm -hmm. you know, build your own adventure and how you can mm -hmm. create the next generation of marketers. We've sort of, yeah. in our own growth, have sort of left a generation behind. We sort of forgot to bring that generation along. So I think we're all playing catch up right now of like, how do we how do we backtrack and bring them up and make it happen? So I love gas board. Yeah. Go team. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. We'll see how long it's a very rare thing, especially for women, you know, executives to be on these boards, you know, uh, the future is unknown, you know, the, the only, you know, there's, it's only up from here. So there's lots of possibilities, you know, um, but the thing that you just said about like mentoring, it kind of dovetails into like building teams. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about that, but, um, I've been a huge like proponent for mentorship. I still mentor. I take at least like one mentorship call a week, just volunteering my time, one or two. There's a couple of different platforms I work on to like help, like you said, bring that, bring the, the next generation of people behind me up because I've had some really great mentors in my life, but not in my twenties. I didn't really get mentors until True. my early thirties, you know? And like, by then it's like, we're asking, questions based on habits we've learned that we it's hard to unlearn those habits and so I do a lot of volunteer work it's one of the reasons I ended up winning an, an award for it is because I volunteer so much of my time because I think it's important um it's important to be able to have someone to ask blunt questions and be like what in the absolute hell am I doing and is this even remotely in the universe of like is this going to make me successful like all the things we were terrified of coming up as baby marketers ourselves, you know, it's mm -hmm. like marketing is the wild west and it's, there's almost no rules. It's like the WWE. Of, you got to make <laughs> it up as you go. It's true. Like yeah, there's some the, guidelines based off of our like experience and sure. gut, but overall best practices make yeah. it up as we go. And if you, you got to kind of like create a persona and like, you got to like get in there and be known for something. And so you're like, I got to promote myself. How do I do this? And like, so yeah, it's just a whole thing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really think that's interesting. I'm gonna sit here for a second and yeah. um, because I'm struggling with this too. Like I see, I sort of harp on this with I have I have a like behind the scenes crew that I that I chat with and we're we're yeah. we're doing something on the side which I'm excited about sharing eventually. But oh. I sort of like 
post them every once in a while about um, these posts that pop up of people pontificating and they're saying very smart things and I agree with them, but they're all men. And so like, <laughs> as we, like, we need to do this as women. Like we have smart things to say too. And but I don't know what it is about. Like, yeah. So I agree with you. I, I love that you're putting yourself out there. I love that we're doing this. Yes to more of this. And we're going to create clips yeah. of these things and all of the wonderful, smart things you say <laughs> and get it out there because um, we have a different perspective. And I think that's worth bringing mm-hmm. to the table. So yay. Mm-hmm. Yay to this. Let's talk yeah. about team building, Elizabeth. There's different stages. You mentioned there's this huge range of the 10 million, even the 1 million to the 10 million to the 100 million. So let's start at those little baby startups who are like figuring it out and deciding that marketing is what they need right now. Mm-hmm. I have questions around that for the 1 million. And I don't think we need to sit here very long, but I want to help mm-hmm. those companies because there's so many of them right now who mm-hmm. are trying to make like, do I bootstrap this? Do I do go get investors? Do I put money into marketing? Like, do they need a marketing team? A team, maybe not in a formal sense, like, you know, full-time employees, um, framework and strategy. Yes. I mean, it's never too soon to like think through how, because let's be honest, a marketing organization or an organization in, in general at a company should be a reflection of a couple of things. And it predominantly it should be a reflection of communication, right? So customer experience, how do we treat the customer and in what ways are we taking care of the customer? The organization should be structured, especially the marketing department structured in that way. Retention, attraction, all, you know, all of that should, should be thought through. But the other part of an org chart eventually needs to be very obvious to internal employees. Like if I were to ask a question about X, Y, and Z, what department would I even go to? And so like those two core principles, those are like HR classic gold standards of like work chart building. If you're not thinking about that in that, like I'm getting serious, I'm, you know, breaking the million and revenue, I'm about to, about to like get investors. I think you're, you're missing out on a lot of like you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for some more heartache later on, you know? Um, but as far as full-time employees, if I was to build like a marketing function out of breaking into, breaking into like 1 million, my biggest concern as a CEO or founder would be, um, or even a board advising somebody doing this would be like, product market fit. Are you sure? Are you a thousand percent sure? So that research of the customer journey and buying experience, like product marketing to me would be that gold standard, like first hire. Cause I mean, after that, it's like, okay, if we've got product market fit, then we can talk, you know, content. Then we can talk about growth and demand gen. Then we can talk about comms. Then we can build something here, but without product market fit, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Two things I want to say about that. The first thing is very interesting. You're talking about product marketing because I'm having a live show next Tuesday about the rise of the product marketer. So wow, that's fitting of like, there is this sense of if you don't, I feel like as marketers, we're sort of burnt out on working for brands and products that don't work. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, let's let's be candid about the market we just came from, you know, post-COVID market, COVID and post-COVID. I mean, we just came off of a huge boon of like unicorn companies and like people putting growth above, you know, profitability and, and all of these investors just dumping market, like money into the market, you know. And so was there really a concern about the product being good when growth is the most important aspect of the revenue model? <laughs> like, you know, like profit above all else, you know, like, so, I mean, yeah, now, now we're facing tougher economy, you know, tougher market, a tougher customer, you know, customer buying experience. So people are kind of like, Oh crap. <laughs> I, uh, I need to expand. And these customers are dumping out of like, if you're a B2B SaaS, they're dumping out of your, like sales cycle. Cause they're like, this product sucks and it's not helping me. And there's competitors doing this better. Like, so people are freaking out and scrambling. It makes sense that demand gen and product are the most important things right now. Yeah. You know, 
economically. <laughs> Product market fit for the win. Yes, Trevor. I think we're all there of we're, you know, I used to say I worked on a long time ago, I worked on YoPlay and I used to say it's only yogurt. Like I can't <laughs> it's only yogurt. And I can't get upset that for what I'm doing and things not quite panning out, like let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. <laughs> so I I do think a lot of us are, you know, and that's one very, you know, very long-winded example from a long time ago, but it, it sort of like captures where we all are. We can't make it work anymore. Mm-hmm. We Between the product market fit, but then also like believing in the product as a, as a, as a marketer trying to make, trying to put oomph and belief behind something. Like I have to actually, would I buy this? Like, that's sort of a question I have to ask myself of, like, if I'm going to put myself in the buyer's shoes, would I would I invest in this? One question I have for you on the one, one million mark in the smaller team, and then I want to move on, is you said, like, the first hire eventually should be that product marketer, which I love. But I also wonder, there's sort of this rise in the fractional element or the contractor element do you think it needs to be a full-time hire or do you think even like hiring somebody from an hourly standpoint just to poke their their brain and say hey i'm trying to figure out to make sure like before i launch that i have a thing here can you help me figure out if i have a thing yeah yeah does hourly make sense it absolutely does i mean if you're looking at it this is just a business strategy standpoint right like it does not make sense to hire anyone full-time if there's not sustainability and proof of you know product market fit of any kind. That's a dangerous thing for, I mean, they do, people do that all the time, but it is a dangerous thing. I mean, mostly if you're like, say you're, let's pick an example, right? B2B product tech tool, something. Um, You're probably your first time, your first, your full-time first employee is probably going to be like an engineer or something, you know, like, so it, (laughs) it should be, I mean, And then, you know, maybe your second would be a salesperson, you know, like marketing is probably not really going to come into the scene until like third, maybe third, you know, I don't know. It just depends on what your business model is and like what, what your runway looks like and and what kind of funding you have. If you're bootstrapping it, if you're not, um, it's different if it's like a services based thing. It's like, you know, do we want to invest in partnerships versus marketing, which could be technically a function of marketing? Like, how do we want to structure this? So there's a lot that goes into it. I think there's nothing wrong with hedging your bets with a fractional CMO, fractional, you know, advisors, board member. board members coming up through agencies. And I see that very commonly, like supplemental work being done, even in the 100 million to plus whatever, you know, $2 billion unicorn valuation, whatever. Um, I've worked on lots of teams that have supplemental, um, you know, like we're are literally saying our growth strategy is to leverage agencies. You know, this is a very common thing in marketing. So I think it's a good strategy if it fiscally makes sense, mm-hmm. especially so early on and you can't promise like your money needs to go to a different department because those are the things that like yeah. are making the money right now. That makes sense. That's logical. You know, two things I want to say about that. One is chances are if you're just growing, you're just starting the 1 million mark, you don't want to hire an agency. I actually kind of want to beg you, please, please don't. <laughs> I am an agency. I'm speaking from agency experience. Don't hire an agency. You're not ready. That's okay. Find a single marketer who is a bit of a generalist, jack of all trades, Mm -hmm. who can make shit happen for you. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, CEO who can do sales before hiring. Yes to that. Like, do Mm -hmm. not hire an agency. Um, the the other thing I'm going to say in terms of being at the 1 million mark too is shake those trees, man. You have a network. <laughs> like get out there. I love what Trevor's saying. Yes to being a CEO. Yes to being your, I, I hate to break it to founders. This is really hard, especially if you're a technical founder, this is out of your comfort zone, like real hard, but like you're the first marketing hire. That's true. You got to get out there. You got to figure out who in your network is going to help you sort of get those first few clients. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you're not, don't hire an 
Um, yeah, not unless, I mean, not unless you're trying to solve one very specific problem that you have, it's very well defined because it's true. Right. It's just going to be a waste of money. You know, if if you're looking for someone to fill that like full-time gap or advise or whatever, individual consultant, you know, like contract Mm -hmm. fractional is always better. Um, I've seen a lot of my own like agency and I used to run an agency. So it's like, I'm not even immune to this, but a lot of my own agency partnerships fail at the smaller scale startups, mostly because there were critical pieces missing that I could not provide that agency (laughs) that were like, we've got foundational issues here. Ooh, you know, so, but we need to get this work done. Yeah. 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 It eventually is too, there's too much friction and and we all kind of know it and we all have to break up and we're still all friends and stuff, but it's true. The struggle is real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's why we started offering fractional like head of marketing services because we just want to make sure that the foundational elements are there before we start bringing out the big guns, right? The SEO and the digital ads. I just actually said to a potential client, I said, I looked at your website. It needs some love. And I think I could easily get it there. And I do not feel comfortable spending any media, like not even a little bit of media money, advertising money Mm -hmm. until we get this situated. It is not worth it. It's not Mm -hmm. worth it. We're going to, we're going to just throw money out the window. So can we, let's get, let's button up here. Yeah. Minimally. The amount of experimentation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really helpful just to have, and I even said to somebody who was on my show last week, I said, you know, she's a bootstrapper. She just, she just created this lovely product, a cybersecurity product. She's a solopreneur. She built the thing from the ground up and she's just figuring out our marketing. And I was like, just give me a call. Like, I, I just want to make sure you're spending your money wisely and marketing is a black hole to just dump your money. Yeah. So let's, you know, just, just ping me. We got you. Um, yeah. Cause it is, it's really tough when you're in those early, early, early stages. Okay. Let's talk about that 10 million stage. Okay. You've raised mm-hmm. some serious capital or maybe you have some good clients and you've shaken those trees until the nth degree and the, the trees are bare. And now you need like <laughs> real, you need to put your big, you know, big dull pants and like grow up a little bit. And so mm-hmm. what's that stage in terms of you're just, you're that first marketing hire. Who do you need to mm-hmm. be to be that first marketing hire? Who do you need to look for in that first marketing hire? And then where do you go from there? Yeah, at the stage of if you have like a annual recurring revenue of 10 million and you've got enough runway and you're starting to get investment and you're trying to do hockey stick of growth, my suggestion for the marketing department specifically is to take a look at like your three critical functions and what the strategy will be moving forward to grow those three critical functions. And the three critical functions are product marketing, Um, content, which is, I mean, you could define that in brand comms, you can define that as organic, you can define, but content of some form and then growth. I don't, people love to call that demand gen, but I, I would rather grow, calling it growth marketing is like a lot. We're seeing a lot of jobs on the market right now saying growth marketing, growth marketing, growth marketing. I think this is going to be a thing that's kind of like more encompassing outside of just demand gen. The classic term is demand generation, whatever. So funny because it's not that old of a term um (sighs) i prefer growth (laughs) yes no i love that let's break this down for a second let's talk about product first Mm -hmm. we sort of touched on it of Mm -hmm. like having your first Mm -hmm. hire be that product marketer what is their role and function in your opinion and what are they supposed Mm -hmm. to accomplish for that brand in those early like first 90 days Yeah. And it, again, it's really relevant to the business structure. I mean, it's different for a services business, like an agency uh, that's providing a service because that's a completely different model. You know, we're talking like the org, the org chart for marketing might be completely different. I would still argue product would be really important, but they may sit in a different function. They may be more connected to like customer success asking about like NPS scores or not NPS scores for service, but like satisfaction, the CSATs, customer satisfaction scores. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So that, I mean, it's a different model for services. Yeah. For B2B SaaS, you know, it's like product marketing, you know, the question of, you know, are they still as connected to sales? Are they more connected to partner marketing or partnerships? 
you know, when is this a company that's going to be heavily involved in like launching a ton of new products? Do they need to focus on, you know, researching the customer, customer buying journey and persona, developing persona per project and or per product launch? So there's a lot of different ways you can spin how product fits in your org. And it's going to relate very closely to the business structure. So you have to obviously like, it's not a business unless you have a business strategy first. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but understanding the customers is, you know, and how you want to sell to the customer is integral to how you're structuring these particular like pieces and these leaders of these functions, right? So you would assume that you have a CMO, then you would have his growth, content slash brand, organic, whatever it is, web, and then, um, you know, uh, product. It's like these three functions are the core like gold standard of like where to start in great marketing teams, but each function and how they work could vary greatly based on like what the business is trying to do. You know, if you have one product, and you're not launching anything else. A product marketer is going to get bored if they're like, I already created personas. Now what? You know, it's like maybe they need to be, maybe they need to sit in between marketing and sales. You know, maybe they need mm -hmm. to like, because there's a lot of different structures. We there can is. Together. There's a lot of different structures. But at the end of the day, what a product marketer is there for, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, because I've talked to a bunch of product marketers and they've been very focused on a couple things, content mostly. But at the end of the day, it's about understanding, to your point, product market fit, being very close to the customer, understanding what their problem is and how the product solves it. And that's the fit. Is Does it actually, mm -hmm. is there actually a problem? And do we actually like have a solve here? what the mm -hmm. competitors are doing, because we do want to pay mm -hmm. attention to competitors to a degree. Do we want to compare ourselves and try and one-up them? No, but we need to know what's happening in the in this space to know how we mm -hmm. sit. Are we building a category? Are we up against the grind in terms of we're all doing the same thing, but we have these few differentiators? What's that look like? And then how we message those things out to mm -hmm. the audience. Is that sort of like from everything I've heard today, this is the first time I said it out loud. <laughs> and one thing I would add too, is we're talking very heavily about buyer's journeys. So we're thinking from that content and demand side. So not just like developing personas. So, you know, it depends on, because a buyer's journey can be very complicated. So that's like a full-time role, just like assessing, triaging, especially if you have you know, like an insane amount of cost, say you have like thousands of customers, right? It's like different for a services agency that maybe only has 10 to 20 a year and has like a lifetime value contract per customer of like five to 10 million, you know, mm -hmm. it's a completely different buyer's journey, a completely different product marketing like fit. I mean, there's just like a lot to unpack there. So, I mean, product marketing has the key and in information that demand and content brand really is going to need in order to be successful in developing creative and ad sets and a media spend and selecting events and developing communication. I mean, just as simple as like blog posts, how, what voice and tone are we using to talk to the customer? Like we need customer information. So it just depends on like, it depends on like the business model. I know I keep saying that, yeah, but no, like just thinking, those are the thinking through it, you know, yeah. it's like, and how often the customer sentiment changes and measuring that. And it's a lot. And some of that falls within brand team because there's some function that you can like, say you have enough, say you're past the 10, 10 million and you're like 50 million, right? Now we have time to like do social media listening and like get a social media manager and start competitive analysis and Boolean queries on like the sentiment out there in the universe and getting real feedback from customers, you know? getting on Reddit threads, you know, just depends on the business model where you are, you know? Yeah. One thing we didn't touch on that I think is important here is does the P does the product marketer then become the head of marketing? Like does the, if they're the first hire, <laughs> wants to out. <laughs> right. Because then they start driving all these things. Uh, you know, I think it needs, to, so it depends on how you, how unified you want your org to be and how much, uh, like what's your go-to-market strategy, right? Because it should, your function should be led by a CMO technically, and then you should have additional. So the function of marketing should be led by a single leader to unify all the voices of whatever disciplines. Cause let's be honest, product marketing is really important, but it is just a discipline in marketing. It's not the end all be all, right? So there are additional functions, like 
I'm a brand person and a brand person could argue all day that I come before product and then you can get a fist fight happening in the room. I don't do that because I don't, that's not, I'm like, I need to work hand in hand with everybody because there's, this is a chicken and an egg situation. Nobody comes, the business strategy comes first. Not, not one of us is more important, you know? So, but it, I mean, you need that unifying like figurehead at the top that's delivering that business strategy to the functions. And then you need the collaborative functions to understand uh, like your go-to-market strategy. And that go-to-market strategy needs to be owned by not just marketing, but like the org in general, you know? So there needs to be a seamless connection across the company with like, you all need to be speaking the same language as sales. You all need to understand like customer success or partnership, whatever that function is over there that's taking care of the customer, cross-selling, upselling. So, I mean, there's just like, if we're talking like, yes, the first person to hire would be product. Do they, are they a CMO? Now we're talking about getting, you know, a business person in who may have a different viewpoint, but their experience is like executive level. Maybe you don't hire an executive level person in that 1 million range because yeah, you just need to get done, yeah, right? To like, <laughs> yeah. You just need to roll your sleeves and have someone get shit done. You and know? that's and what like, we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're talking about on Tuesday is like that generalist, mm-hmm. right? So the beauty of a, yeah. a PMM is they are, a bit of a Swiss army knife in that because uh-huh. they understand product market fit because they understand your audience because they can write, then the channels are like, they can write newsletters, they can write, you know, automated email copy. They can do social media posts. They can sort of get you somewhat of the way there to get the ball rolling before you got to backfill into those roles. Yeah. Um, it, so yeah. I, yes, to that and the power of the PM, even what Trevor's saying is evangelism, which I want to get to in a second, but let's talk about, so you have the product marketer, there's a product market fit. Maybe you're starting to think about bringing in that head of marketing now because you need to build out the next function, which is content, brand web, mm-hmm. all of the above. Um, or growth, which or both at the same time, depending on what you have and your runway, <laughs> but you need an executive to look at the org to really build out an, an executive level structure. I think that would be correct. Yeah. And decide what that next thing is. I would argue that you probably need the content web piece next because you don't want to be spending money in demand if you don't have that. It depends. I mean, right now, like looking at the economy right now, people are desperate to be profitable, right? So the this is common. I mean, you and I have just before we went live, we talked about how long you and I have been in the game. We're like old salty sea dogs. We've been doing this forever. So like we were talking how about many Skype, times... you all. We were talking about Skype. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. The anxiety of the 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 call that Skype is like, oh God. Um <laughs> I mean, realistically, like how many times have you and I gone through like a boom bust cycle of companies kind of like, you know, having dips and these peaks and valleys of profitability versus like kind of freaking out and firing their whole like sales and marketing team and being <laughs> and being yeah. like, and you gotta go and you gotta go and you and we gotta fire all of our creative designers because we don't need creative anymore because they're just trying to be more profitable. You know, so it's like, you know, we're talking about, you know, do you invest in brand or do you invest in growth? Do you invest in both? You know, there's a, there's a, this is a math problem. You know, this is also getting with the head of people problem and talking to HR about what are the most critical functions that we need right now in order to keep the business, just the doors open or running and growing. So I don't know if it's necessarily like there is a golden standard framework. It's more like, what is the business facing? And do I have the buy-in from the other executives that are hopefully shouldering the burden with me? And can we build the functions correctly for long-term sustainability while also getting short-term gains, you know, it's like, that's the name of the game right now. It Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. The struggle I definitely feel is real in companies trying to figure this out. And I think that's why they're hiring Mm -hmm. agencies too early because they think agencies are the answer, but if they don't have those foundations, like we're talking about, then the agency is going to fail because you don't have that product market fit. You don't know who your audience is. You don't have the right messaging to meet the audience where they are. And then mm-hmm. you're trying to throw money, you know, it's not a leads 
game out and then layer on the whole new buying journey of like people not really caring about talking to sales until they're absolutely ready and wanting to make their own decisions and having enough content mm -hmm. to help them make that decision. I mean, that's a whole other ball game we're not going to get into today, but it, it is this, the, the industry has definitely shifted in like the last 18 mm -hmm. months and we're all just trying to catch up. And so, yeah. I love what you're saying around these three functions and yes to it really mattering to where your business is and balancing these things, but let's talk critical mass here. Like where have you seen, mm -hmm. you've been around the block, you have lived <laughs> it in more ways than one. And where have you seen the pitfalls? We're going to talk solutions too, because I, I truly believe in if you're going to talk about a problem, talk about the solutions. But where have mm -hmm. you seen pitfalls of like cart before the horse where you went after leads before you had brand or vice versa and what you wish you had done differently in those moments? Yeah, um, I think the one of the biggest reasons why I am so focused on inner interdependencies between departments, not just in marketing, but across the organization, I'm very collaborative with sales, customer success, or slash partnerships, whatever we want to call that. Um, I want to know what's happening in those other departments is because the reason is because I have seen this specifically fail where I've had a CEO say, it is all on marketing. Marketing needs to produce the leads. This, the company is driven by marketing, but the reality of it is, is that it's an, it, the systems need to be aligned and balanced with each other. So if you, if marketing is over here, generating an insane amount of leads and pushing them through sales and say they're successful, but the product is stinky and there's no like custom because it's, it, mm -hmm. have you seen winning by designs like bow tie revenue architecture? I'm such a huge fan of it. So it's like attraction retention. It's like a bow tie. Mm -hmm. Look it up. Chaco is amazing. He's amazing. Go look at his stuff, buy his new book. Shout out to Chaco. <laughs> Yeah, I'm writing it down but so we he, put it in the in the show notes to everybody. Yeah. Yes. Go to Winning by Design. You can go download their like white paper about it. Um, it's their revenue architecture. It's very, very interesting. But essentially, like the the way that most of these organizations are built are very lopsided. And the the pressure and the ownership of the revenue success is usually placed on marketing and then sales or marketing and sales. But there's this whole like customer journey. So I'm a huge fan as a brand person from that perspective of like the work that I do touches every part of the business. I mean, we're talking employee retention, like employee talent retention through you know, um, employer brand. We're talking customer retention through like delivering on the promises I make in marketing messaging. So looking at this like bow tie kind of funnel, you know, we're talking about like attraction coming through and into this particular like center where they book whatever it is, this B2B SaaS, right? They book the product and then the bow tie goes back out again, right? Because you can generate leads all day as marketing, hit your numbers or whatever. But if the rest of the system is freaking broken, if it's just like product stinky, like it has buggy features, people are like, you, you know, doing demos and then never like committing to, after their trials, you know, they're bouncing out of the system. They use it for a year and then die off because they don't see the value. It's like, okay, like marketing can only go so far. There's competitors out there and the total addressable market is only so big. I can mm -hmm. only get so many people in the freaking door. Like at some point we marketing also needs to kind of like come back together in alignment with how are we, you know, keeping these people happy. And as a brand person, it's like, if I'm going to be making these promises up front and it's not being delivered through the system, <laughs> like yeah. marketing is broken. This is broken to me. So, yeah. so how do you this, have this? this <laughs> yeah. So how do you have those tough conversations? Because we're, as marketers, we're always brought in after the fact, right? The product is already being built. Generally, yeah. I have found, I'd love your perspective on this. And I, and I, I think there's merit to saying bringing us bring marketing in sooner. You don't have to have a product fully built before you bring in marketing, like start that engine sooner. Um, but like we're brought in later than. Right. So how do you have like, and especially with founders who have put their, mm -hmm. their souls on the line to like bring mm -hmm. this thing to fruition 
right? We both mm-hmm. owned agencies. I own an agency right now. And like two years ago, you couldn't like pull the sand on my cold dead hands. Like it's been my identity for so long, right? Yeah. And founders feel that way about their, about what they built. So how do you have those tough conversations to say, there is a, there, there is a problem here and we do need to solve it, but how we're solving it, we're out of alignment, right? Like that seems like a really hard conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, we're talking change management. And so this is a similar issue with rebrand, right? Your baby is ugly and it's broken and we need to fix the broken thing and it's going to be tough. And, but as with a rebrand, it's like everyone's on board. So it's like, how do you develop change management? You find the people who are going to be on board with you. So those are the people that are standing shoulder to shoulder with you, seeing like that they're struggling as well. You need to talk to them you need to like, you know, get buy-in early and often and have conversations and see where it goes. I mean, we're all human. We could all improve. We can all do better. And a CEO's main focus is to make sure that the the systems they're building are sustainable because they are helping like feed families and provide jobs and they want to make money too. So if you are able to get buy-in, which is not easy to do, it can be done, but it's not easy. It's just, you need proof, right? So you need like finding these models, like the winning by design one and kind of having those conversations. And maybe it's not an overnight thing. Maybe it takes forever, but, you know, finding the organizations and the CEOs that are willing to listen and like the boards that are, you know, experienced at this that have done this before, you know, like in offering solutions, you know, I think it's, it's an uphill battle, but like, I mean, if people want to be successful, it's a conversation that needs to start happening. And at minimum, at minimum, marketing needs to be a partner to more than just sales. Marketing needs to take a look at like what's happening in customer retention, partnerships and customer success and really understanding like if I'm bringing these people in, what's their final experience? Like are the promises I'm making in these messages and these ads in our go to market strategy? are we lying? Because that's, we got some adjusting to do, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Tough. I think that's why the, it's such a tough, role. it's such a tough role to be a CML and this paints such a beautiful picture of like how tough it is. Couple it is. questions. One is when you're, when you're that head of marketing being brought in, you're seeing some of these challenges unfold and you have 90 days right? Like you generally CMOs are put under the gun of like, you're brought in because we have a problem and we're having turnover We're we have turned over. We've let our old CMO go. We're bringing in fresh blood here. Like it's your job to fix this. And you have 90 days to start showing progress. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, where do you start? Do you start with those conversations? Do you start just fi- like just putting in a framework and going like, how do you, where do you start as Elizabeth in, you know, being that first hire or coming in into that change order? The best thing I learned as a child that has helped me throughout adulthood and in my career and my personal life is to be honest and assess a situation and just tell people in clear communication up front what is and is not real or possible. Because the reality of it is, is like no CEO that is sane (laughs) should expect because we know some of them, hey, you know, they've got, you know, but a part of it is, is educating. But your framework builds out that level of communication and setting the expectations. You are driving that as the head of marketing. So to say like, Elizabeth, you're being tasked with like, you know, customer retention, we need to get people in and blah, 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 you know, like, okay, cool. First 90 days, we will, we will accomplish these three things. However, the vision is a year from now. I'm not saying you won't see results until a year from now, but I'm saying these are the results you should expect along these like critical moments and milestones. So being able to own that confidently and say like, these are the promised things and then be able to continuously drive that drumbeat of communication to say, remember when I said at day 45, I would assess the team to make sure we have the talent put in the right place. Here are the results. You are delivering on those pieces and also letting them know ahead of time if you are not able to deliver because you found a critical roadblock that you need to raise your hand and say, 
we do not have product market fit or we do or we have the wrong agency or you know whatever heart or we have the wrong people on the team and it is not functional you know so that's your job as the executive on the team is to have those hard conversations but to have your roadmap in place there's some critical milestones and if you can continue to do that drumbeat of communication that i mean They'll, the CEO is supposed to sign off on it. So yeah. it's like, he'll let you know in the first week if he's like, I don't like this plan, you know, or, or she or whatever. I mean, ideally, <laughs> ideally, yeah, no, I think I mean, that's point. Like we're talking a lot about buy-in and having those critical conversations. The last thing I, I'm curious about in terms of those critical conversations is it seems like, and you alluded to this, but I just want to be sort of obvious because I've experienced this in my own journey of owning a company and I think that's one thing we need to be really clear about like as a head of marketing we love doing the doing it's so fun to like be the one building but you do get to that point and where we're talking about that 10 million plus point like you're no longer doing the doing you're keeping the peace (laughs) (laughs) so a brilliant way to put it very very diplomatic of you so in keeping the peace you have to go have individual something we weren't very clear about that i want to be clear about individual conversations you're going to be in meetings all day right this is my favorite part though i love talking tell me more about that why is it your favorite part what do you love about it I just love people in general. And I love to talk about like difficult things that we're in it together. I always approach things as a partnership, you know? Um, and we, you know, one of the things that we, you mentioned earlier is like, I, I give a huge shout out to the teams underneath me to like, say like, you guys are the reasons I've been able, you are the reason I've been able to accomplish even remotely any of the stuff in my career. So it's like mentorship and partnership and, commiseration and collaboration and being side by side with people and having the hard conversations and getting the buy-in and getting the pushback sometimes in the disappointing days. Those are the things that I I live for. And I think that's what a manager or leader should be, even middle management up, like that should be a passion of yours. Because if it's not, you're in the wrong, I mean, you should be doing the work. You should be an IC or, or an advisor or something, or like a contractor, like, don't lead people. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. And we need to be that's clear okay. too. Like yeah. that is there, there is a reason why Microsoft has created yeah. a two way path for the technical mm-hmm. and the manager. You're either a people mm-hmm. person who's going to lead and bring people along or you're the technical, and you're going to solve really big challenging technical problems. And those paths are a okay, depending on what works yeah. for you, but it does take a certain I, person. And sometimes I question mm-hmm. whether I'm that person of like some days none of us are that person. I mean, yeah it's hard work it's hard work it, and it, it feels and you don't get you don't get recognized for it either you don't get a pay bump for being a great boss it's actually a pain in the butt to be a good boss it is it's a lot of extra energy it's kind of hard yeah it's super hard it's super hard mm-hmm. um but it's so liberating you know bringing people along and elevating them and making them the heroes yeah. at the end of the day and i that is truly the gift of of leading um Closing words here, Elizabeth, we talked a lot about leadership. We talked a lot about team building, um, depending on whether where you are in the stage of whether you're that very early startup or you're in that 10 million year growth. Last words of wisdom. Is there anything we missed that you wish we said that we haven't said yet? I'm sure every HR head of HR is going to murder me for something I've said during this. <laughs> so go talk to your head of people. Shout out to every VP or uh, chief people officer. Like, go talk to them. Don't just listen to me. Get outside perspective as well. Um, so yes, I just want to acknowledge. And a lot of a lot of the ideas I have have come from just talking to amazing VP people, head of people, chief people officers who have just been so generous with their time, um, and just been like, you know, hey, this is what I've seen work. And so HR can be scary, but they're actually you know really good resource and and really good partners to have, especially as an executive. Like they're the people that kind of make or break some of those relationships. So definitely go make friends with the scary people. They're, they're dying for friends anyways. Nobody wants to be their friend. <laughs> I know. It's so, terrible because they're really the part of the company that like makes it. 
it's really tricky. It's a balancing act for them of like protecting the company, but also wanting to be there for the people. It's so, yeah. I do love this shift that's happening for HR <laughs> to people and communities where it's becoming <laughs> more about protecting the employees in a way to then help the company. And so I'm grateful for that. And I agree, like they have ears to the ground in ways you would never expect. So if you want to understand how a company is connected and what's actually going on, Mm -hmm. those are definitely the people to be talking to. Yeah. And then I've had great, as a brand person, I've had great partnerships with brand, uh, employer brand. Like mostly I'm marketing function. I don't often get to work in employee brand, but just having that connection to HR is a really valuable relationship for someone like myself, who's a marketing executive, you know, and like, I'm able to give that advice and help them with employee retention. And in turn, you know, I get to ask them questions about like, how can I best encourage my team and grow my team? You know, like, how can we solve some of these problems to retain these, this talent who's incredible, you know, I hire some amazing people underneath me to help accomplish these, you know, things that I, I want to do in my own career. And so it's, it's very important to have that relationship when you're building a team and having that partnership, whoever that HR person might be is kind of an overlooked gem um, and they've, they're an excellent resource and they're, they're going to be your best friend and a great partner. So yeah, definitely, definitely get with them. Marketing people focus so heavily on like partnering with sales. I think oftentimes, you know, they don't talk very much about partnering with the other yeah. <laughs> executive heads. I love what you're the saying. That the, is. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this is what I love about your saying <laughs> is that it's also like a two-way street. Like you, it's a given, it's a given take or given give, however you want to phrase that, like, I do, um, uh, luckily I'm a marketer, so I can figure this out, but like to my team every week, I do two essentially newsletters, right? But not all HR departments mm-hmm. might know how to do that. So like there definitely is opportunity to create some inter, like um, company uh, marketing materials that HR, mm-hmm. you can empower HR to do yes to that, Elizabeth. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so mm-hmm. much. Before yeah. we close out here, mm-hmm such wise wisdom. It's going to be great to recap this and reshare it. I can't wait. Um, But you're more than a marketer. And while you are the rebrand guru of the century, given the journey that you have lived, tell us about, you know, we mentioned the last three years being the wild, wild west between COVID and the new and, you know, everything's been going on. Um, But as a person, like what's been the change for you? Have you picked up any new hobbies? Have you explored, like gone traveling? Like what has changed for you outside of work in the last few years? Yeah, what a cool question. Um, I'm still super passionate about volunteering. I'm part of um, the ADPlist.com. It's a free volunteer platform to connect with all sorts of people. So people can book anytime with me that they want. I think it's super cool and it's free. Like I just meet you for coffee, like for an hour. I have like an hour or two each week that I volunteer. And so that's fantastic. But just in personal life stuff, um, you know, I, I, dedicate a lot of time to playing in a women's only pinball league, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> we do tournaments. Um, a couple years ago, they did like a big charity thing to help get a pinball machine at the children's, I'm in Atlanta, so the children's hospital, they had um, just to give them something different to do so the babies aren't like bored out of their gorge just watching TV all day while they get their treatments or whatever. Um, so that's super cool. So little things like that, you know, the Atlanta community is incredible. It's bustling. We've got so many cool startups and so many cool things happening. It's like, you can't help but get involved. And there's so much talent here. It's insane. So there's a lot to do and a lot of people to meet and talk to. That's amazing. <laughs> I haven't heard I haven't heard about the pinball thing before, which is awesome. I love that. It's a national thing. Oh so you can gosh. join wherever you are. I'll, I'll hook you up. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. I'm gonna, no pun intended. Yeah, totally. totally. Uh, close this out, Elizabeth. If people want to find you, where's the best pe- where's the best place to reach you and learn more about, you know, be- you being a board member or getting your support? 
Yeah, um, come and connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just the regular LinkedIn URL and follow Elizabeth at the end, Elizabeth with a Z, not an S. Um, you can also book time with me on ADP list. I Like I said, it's free. I volunteer there and you can just come and have coffee with me. It's the place I direct everybody, but I'm easiest to find on LinkedIn or ADP list. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. Shout out to Trevor Van Warden for hanging out. I saw your comments and I... Ter- yes, growing children and you got to get through those terrible twos to come out the other side. And man, <laughs> what what a growth opportunity that is with with all the things, whether it's a child or a brand it is a journey. Um, I'm so grateful. Thank you all for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please like subscribe and share. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our agency that accelerates the mission of B2B vendors via SEO, digital ads, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG Marketing, music mix and mastering done by the amazing team at MKG. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit, uh, you know, just DM me. Let's hang out. I'd love to get to know you. Let's do that. LinkedIn, head on over there. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun.